The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello, happy Saturday. Welcome back into the Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week podcast. I'm host and audio producer of the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, Stephen Serta. Kansas City Chiefs take on the Denver Broncos on Sunday for their second matchup against the Broncos in the last couple of weeks. We'll start things off today with the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. They've got some marinated takeaways from the Chiefs' win over the Seattle Seahawks. After that, it's out of structure, discussing some New Year's resolutions for the Kansas City Chiefs. After that, we catch up with the Great British Chiefs show. They've got our first full Broncos preview of the week. After a quick break, we'll catch up with Chiefs Coast to Coast. They discussed Eric Bieniemy being in the head coaching pool once again this season, as well as Orlando Brown maybe not being a Chief next year. Then we'll finish things up with Show and BK discussing what the Chiefs need to do when they have the ball to win the game on Sunday. That's all coming up on today's Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week. All right, back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. We talked about Nathaniel Hackett. We have learned what we could learn from Andy Reid. I think the, the best thing about Andy Reid in in this appearance was the fact that he confirmed no injuries, which is great at this time mm-hmm. of year for the yep. Kansas City Chiefs. Let's talk about this 24-10 to 10 win that occurred two days ago. So these takeaways are extra marinated, more marinated than usual, a lot of flavor. <laughs> on these takeaways so john let's turn to you as we do every week what did you take away from this chiefs win over the seahawks well i think this is yet another confirmation of how important turnovers are in nfl football games uh the chiefs didn't have any in this game and they were in control right from the beginning even when the offense was sputtering Mm -hmm. uh early in the game they just continued to move forward and uh build up this big lead and because the defense was playing so well, they just never had a chance to come back yeah. and beat the Chiefs. And it just shows that it's those mistakes in these last two games that have made the difference between the Chiefs wailing on them and the Chiefs coming out with a close win against an inferior team. Yeah, I like that point. I I actually had a takeaway on turnovers. It was going to be my second takeaway, but I'll I'll run it right now to to match up with you, John. I think on the defensive side, the Chiefs are right now in need of a Honey Badger or a Marcus Peters ball hawk type guy. And I think seeing that Juan Thornhill was able, able to get an interception, he had some ball hawk tendencies before he had that injury his yeah, rookie year. He, he was really looking like that and he had an guy. interception called back, too. I mean, yes. I guess it wasn't actually going to be an interception because he never touched the ground with the ball. But he mm-hmm. did pick one off in the end zone that, in a play that was called back. I like Justin Reed, even with all the Bengals weirdness mm-hmm. that happened this year. Yeah. I don't think he's your ball hawk type of guy. I just don't think I think he's a different type of player than, than Tyron Matthew. Now, he's playing a similar role. And look, sometimes you have to remember when Tyron Matthew would say, I'm too smart. Sometimes you have to sort of bait the other quarterback into throwing it your way so you can get these picks. I don't know if Justin Reed is that type of guy, but I think Juan Thornhill can be, if you really think back to his rookie season, he was Mm -hmm. showing to be one of the better young safeties in the NFL. And I I think he finally felt healthy, which is why he went on a tangent this off season and said, I'm going to be an all pro. Maybe you're getting that all pro version of Thornhill at the right time. I think this pick was a positive sign for him. He has one less year than, than Justin Reed. 
and he dealt with a lot of injury. He dealt with Steve Spagnuolo playing Dan Sorensen a lot more, and they have the same number of career interceptions. I just think that Thornhill can be that guy. Another guy that can be that guy for you one last year than Thornhill is LeJarius Sneed. All three of these guys uh, in my stats research, they have seven career interceptions apiece. So I think that is a dynamic that I, I think the Chiefs could really benefit from is Thornhill turning back into that ball hawk. And this is a, a step in the right direction. Justin Reed has said, and, and this is actually something I believe, once you get the turnovers cooking, maybe it's a open the floodgates type of thing. So I think Juan Thornhill getting that pick is huge. And on the offensive side, John, the first turnover free game since week five and only the third one all year. That's incredible mm-hmm. for a 12 and three team. Yeah. And this is a point that I had been pumping. It's like the chiefs are good. They're really good. If you can just see them play a clean game, maybe they won't dominate a team, but they should win pretty handedly. And you got exactly that. I don't think the offense was great on, against the Seahawks could have been better. There was that middle of the game rut. But you see the difference when they're not shooting themselves in the foot. You don't have any of these worries of like, are we about to lose to the Houston Texans? Is this a, a game where we're, we're going to let the Russell mm-hmm. Wilson, Denver yeah. Broncos embarrass us and ruin any chances at an AFC bye? And yes, was the game perfect in Seattle? No. I talked about how boring it was besides maybe the, the Patrick Mahomes r- wrist pylon play, which was awesome. But I, I just think you, you see what can happen with the Chiefs when they just are, are turnover friendly, right? Like you're causing a turnover. You're not turning the football over. It's going to be really hard to beat you. And I hope that's something that they take with them in these final two games and then into the postseason. Well, and to build upon that a little bit, most of last year's losses were built on turnover games, mm-hmm. games where Mahomes had interceptions or Clyde Edwards-Alaire fumbled the ball. You know, right. those those losses last year were built on those kinds of situations as well. So that carries that forward. And then I'll go on to my next point from this, yeah. which I've noticed today that in this game on Christmas Eve, the Chiefs had the highest percentage of defensive plays all year and still gave up the fewest points that mm-hmm. they've given up all year. Um, in, and, and, and even then only gave up a touchdown in garbage time at the very end. So what that tells you is that the Chiefs in this game really were bending but not breaking. They gave up, you know, the team was on the field a lot, the defense was on the field a lot, but they didn't give up many scoring and many points. And, of course, that's what shows up on the scoreboard at the end of the game. So I think that was a very interesting uh, thing to happen in this game that the defense was on the field a lot but to no effect as far as the Seahawks were concerned yeah and let's not sleep on on Geno Smith either he's had a great season yes. he's really Agreed. become one of the the top I would say top 15 quarterbacks in the league maybe you're in that that 10 to 15 range but I think still someone that you can win with the Chiefs mm-hmm. did a great job against DK Metcalf yes he had 81 yards but you take away the 35 yarder and the other receptions were 11 yards or less. And so I think to eliminate that threat, Ken Walker, yes, he ran for 107 yards, but only a 20-yard run was his, his explosive play, 4.1 yards per carry to get to 107. He had to run it 26 times. And the Seahawks game is establishing the run, controlling the football, the time of possession, mm-hmm. and yeah. continuing to put up in points. And so get a little bit of that bend, not break. And, and let's not forget, too, the Seahawks had three points – throughout the basically the entire game that last touchdown to make it um, 10 points 24 to 10 that occurred with 225 left in the fourth quarter Mm -hmm. which we've talked about this before sometimes the stats and points per game can be a little bit uh, misleading just because at that stage Steve Spagnuolo was coaching let's play back let's keep these guys in front of us let's run clock because at that point it was 24 to 3 and so I just uh, I, tremendous defensive effort and something that I think not only the fans really wanted to see, but the chiefs, I think in them needed to see art. We can, mm-hmm. we can do this. Right. And, and yeah. I, I think that was this big for them. And, and that's another takeaway that I had. And, and I kind of made all the points before I gave you my takeaway, but seeing the defense play like that <laughs> is more important than seeing the offense play like that. I, hmm. I, I'm yeah. telling you, we know, we know when the playoffs start, Patrick Mahomes in the offense they will score. Andy Reid, you know, we Andy Reid keeps those unscattered looks. We've said that to an extent. We, you know, it's it's we he does always have some un, unscattered looks for the other team. The Chiefs will, will score. They're going to score in the playoffs. It's the defense that you 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 never know, right? Mm-hmm. Is another team that that's lesser than you going to be able to 
continue and, and fight and have a shootout with Patrick Mahomes and right. And so I think that seeing the, the defense play this well gives you a lot of positivity and hope for the postseason. And I just think these tournaments, the AFC tournament and the NFC tournament, they're going to be wide open. And I, I think as you are starting to see the Chiefs come into themselves as a complete team, you're going to feel better about the AFC tournament and the, the idea of them being able to win it and get back to the Super Bowl. Uh, so, yes, to, like I said, seeing the defense play like that, more important than the offense, because I think the offense will be there. And I, I think it starts this week against Denver, and you see it um, come into its own a little bit as, as we get closer to the playoffs here in the next few weeks. I think right, you John, touched what... on this a second ago that it was not only important for the fans, but also mm-hmm. important for the team. And I yeah. thought it was interesting after the game how long Frank Clark talked yeah. when he got up to the podium at the end of the game and the kinds of things that he addressed. It was like it, it it communicated to me that he felt that this was a statement game for yeah. the, the the defense that he's on. And he stood up there and talked at great length about, uh, you know, what they've been trying to do this season. And I, I think Jared Sapp, who wrote our story on it, said, you know, I could have had 1,500 words of quotes. From, the Seahawks, from was, they were entered the game scoring 26 points a game. Yeah. They, they yeah. basically, and Franco was right. They basically score three. He he forgot about the last touchdown. That's right. Like, he was like, yeah. "Oh yeah, they actually score." Yeah, because it it was garbage time. It, yeah, they get, you know, and that that's a great performance. I I I know we had our complaints going into it, and and they were worthy. They were right, but they really I think turned it around against Seattle, and it's just something that the fans and, and players needed to see. All right, John, what's your final takeaway from this game? Um, the running back by committee. Okay, maybe it's not dead. <laughs> but it's down to like two committee members now. Yes. Uh, yeah. Isaiah Pacheco and Jarek McKinnon. And this is why I'm saying this. One of the things that I track statistically all season is the percentage of running plays versus the percentage of passing plays, of course. And generally speaking, the Chiefs are about two to one passing to running. So you see like 66% to 33%, something like that. Okay. Well, Isaiah Pacheco became the starting running back for the first time in week seven. Mm -hmm. And in that game, the chiefs uh, rushed the ball 29% of the time and passed the ball 71% of the time. (laughs) So that, you know, in that first game, they didn't really emphasize the run. But from that point on, all except, let's see, let's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight games, there have only been two games that have had that kind of percentage. Otherwise, the running game has been between 42 and 52% of the snaps. And that's quite a departure. I mean, it's, you know, these percentages aren't huge, but when you're talking about Andy Reid, that is a lot. Yeah. Okay. Uh, they they just they just don't tend to to do it that way, and so um, this is kind of a, a big deal that they're they're going more towards running the ball. It has seemed like that, and the numbers are now showing that up. Yeah, I I do think so. I I think Watson playing seventy four percent of the snaps in the Seattle game, you know, is 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 just a really high number for a guy that was supposed to be your sixth receiver all along. And that's the thing. Since week ten, Justin Watson has played at least sixty two percent of the offensive snaps. So he is that is wide receiver two or three numbers. At some some games, it's a wide receiver two number, and and that's that's a little um you know concerning to me. You know, I I really think he's he's a he's a decent role player, but these big play opportunities we've seen him get these last few weeks that he hasn't converted. I know the Seattle game, that, that third of the end zone was more in Mahomes than it was Watson. I would think Watson, you know, he could have gave a better contest. I, I, I would like to see you jump and try to make a play at the ball at some point. But that Houston game, that still drives me crazy. You know, the, the, you know from, the, from the end zone, Mahomes gives him a, an air ball, you know, plenty of air under it. You know, he can, he can run under it. And he kind of decides to slide and catch it, and, and he drops it. It's just – I'm just – we need to have playmakers in those roles. If you want to take a shot, Andy Reid, why not have your second-round pick, Sky Moore, who's a playmaker in space? If he has the ball in his hands, we saw it this week on a, on a, in a very limited sample size, but he gets the one screen pass, makes a dude fly away from him, you know, just completely shakes him, and then makes another guy miss to get about five yards. That's the stuff he can do in the open field. That's why you wanted him at punt returner, right? It's not the punt returner thing didn't work, didn't fail because 
he's not good at making people miss in the open field. It's because he can't catch the, the punt and, and he can, he can catch passes though. He has no drops this year, Sky Moore. And that's another thing with Justin Watson. I doing some research for my article. Justin Watson is actually has the second highest drop rate in the NFL among NFL receivers with uh, more than 15 targets. So anyone that has any sort of decent sample size this year has a better drop or, or has a, you know, a cleaner record of drops than, than Justin Watson this year. He's, he's dropped 24% of his, of his targets this year. And, and there's not a lot of targets. So uh, it's like four, four drops, I think total, but three in the last two weeks, Stags. I just, I, this needs to be a tweak. This needs to be an adjustment, especially with Hardman gets back. We need to see Tony Moore and Hardman all playing uh, more snaps than Watson. So is is Watson an elite blocker at the position? Is that is that why he sees so many snaps? I, I would say not an elite. He's probably a pretty good blocker. He's probably you know maybe better than a Hardman or a Tony. I would imagine maybe even a Sky because he's a rookie, right? So yeah, I'd, I'd say that's probably you know one part of it. That's the only justification I can see at this point, really, other than just, you know, that classic he knows all the positions kind of kind of thing that you hear out of this offense. Right. Uh, Zach Eisen also on Twitter puts puts out the pass catchers yards per route run on the Chiefs. League average is one point three. So you've got Kelsey at two point three six, which is you know, awesome. Uh, Kadarius Tony one eight six second best on the team. Nicole Hardman, 1.49. Sky Moore, 1.39. Marquez Valdez scanning, 1.28. So basically right at just a hair below league average is MVS. Uh, Noah Gray, for all his, uh, uh, you know, contributions that he's made lately, still only 1.1 yards uh, per route run. But the worst on the team, the worst on this list, Justin Watson, 0.84 0.84 yards per route run. So he's running a lot of yards, a lot of routes without a lot of production. Uh, yeah. And and so, yeah, some, that is something as you go into the playoffs, they're not going to make wholesale changes in, in how they do things, but you can make little tweaks in personnel here and there, uh, start featuring Sky more on some intermediary routes, start, you know, if you're throwing the deep ball, maybe with Hardman back, maybe Hardman gets some more of those deep shots, uh, again, like like he did his rookie season, you know, maybe there's some some little things, little wrinkles you can throw out there and mix up that snap count. You'll see them when it comes to skill players. You can see pretty big variances in their snaps played each week, depending on the game plan. So uh, maybe maybe it's not going to be this week or next week, but maybe come playoff time, uh, there's some game planning done around the receiver room, and and eventually they got to trust Sky more. I, I don't. I don't know why he hasn't had a bigger role yet. Um, I do think there was a time earlier in the season when his it seemed like there was a lot of interceptions thrown his way, which tells me that he was probably run running the wrong route or didn't get separation or broke the wrong way at the last minute. Was, you know, something to that effect. You got to think that he's grown within the offense uh, from a knowledge standpoint, and and is probably should be ready to contribute more at this point than what he has. So, uh, no, I don't think they should bring in Odell Beckham Jr., but uh, I yeah. think getting Hardman back, like we talked about, increasing Tony's role and increasing increasing Sky Moore's role at some point uh, will make a difference. And, yes, at the expense of uh, Watson snaps. I don't know that MVS is the guy that you want to, to take over Watson's role. Um, you know, he's – probably still going to be pretty high variance on those deep passes. Um, but it, it'd be well, interesting to see what else they can do with those other guys. Well, MVS is the primary deep target. I do think Watson's deep targets are more as that secondary guy that, that the defense falls asleep on, doesn't necessarily expect. And that's why he's getting open on these big plays. But I just feel like they could do that with Sky Moore too. I think Sky Moore could sneak up on defenses too. And it'd just be nice instead of Watson on the, on the, back end of that we'll see if and when we see that this season sky Moore again over the last couple of weeks i've just started to wonder and in fact a lot of the season if if really he's a 2023 uh prospect and they're just gonna uh not feature him even throughout the playoffs but uh it'd be nice if if that changes but if not i still think he's got a future ahead of him uh but speaking of the future let's talk new year's yes. uh, this is the last game uh, well, this is our last podcast of the year for 2022. The Chiefs 
will actually play in 2023 this Sunday uh, on New Year's. So we thought it'd be fun to throw out some New Year's resolutions from all different perspectives. So uh, basically, Ron, I'm going to ask you, we're going to alternate here. You and I are going to throw out a resolution, uh, who it's, who's making the resolution and, and what they're, they're promising to do starting on Sunday all the way through the 2023 calendar year. Uh, I'll let you go first. All right, Chiefs fans, we're, we're starting with us. We're starting with us as a collective, as, as a group of people. Let's make sure in the new year we do our best to appreciate Steve Spagnolo more than we do. I really think it's easy to blame him for defensive struggles. It's really easy to say, oh, we need new coaching staff. You know, it's, it, we don't have an elite defense. This team is not trying to build an elite defense. You're never going to have that. That's not what this is. They're not trying to do that. They have an offense. They have an elite offense. They have a crazy good offense. And they're going to ride that. They need their defense to be just that we've talked about over and over again. And and you know what I'm going to say. The playmaking, you know, make a play here and there. Get a stop here and there. All that. Steve Spagnuolo can do that. He does that. And if you look at his track record with the Chiefs, he has never been the reason we have lost the Super Bowl. In 2019, they won his first year. In 2020, you look at the Bucks Super Bowl, you can't blame Steve Spagnuolo for ha- not having an offensive line and the Chiefs not scoring a touchdown and having and only scoring nine points for that game. And in that game, actually, the defense gave the offense life. You know, they get that fourth down goal line stop at, at one point. Just, you know, just put that in your mind. And then think about last year in, in the AFC Championship. Was it really Steve Spagnuolo's fault that Chris Jones couldn't finish sacks and that Patrick Mahomes blew it at, in the second half? I just, when you think about it, when you, when you step back, Steve Spagnuolo has never been the reason why this team is lost. And you can't say that in 2018 because Bob Sutton was absolutely the reason the Chiefs lost to an extent, maybe D4 too. All that to say, <laughs> yeah. let's appreciate Steve Spagnuolo a little more. If you have problems with the defense, just remember it's a lot of youth inexperience on this group and he is doing the best he can with, with what he's got. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I think we just talked about things being vanilla. I think he probably has been a little bit more vanilla this season. But again, out of necessity with the, right. the amount of youth that's starting there, uh, you put guys in positions to play and then they got to make plays. Again, the, this defense this year is a lot of times has come down to tackling and the lack of turnovers. Uh, those are pretty hard for a coach to just fix um, in game. You know, it's, it's really about players executing. So um, that's a good one. I'll, we'll, we'll take that one and, and maybe starting with a little controversy there because he is a pretty um popular punching bag for for chiefs fans and, and pundits alike i'm going to stay with this theme of giving giving folks credit and maybe also controversy for for a big punching bag uh as chiefs fans i think we should resolve to complain less about odell Beckham. <laughs> sorry <laughs> you gotta you gotta edit that out as chiefs fans we gotta complain less about orlando brown jr because the alternative is getting harder and harder to see how there's a better alternative than, than Brown when it comes to the Chiefs' left tackle. You saw some contracts happen this week um, for some tackles uh, really thinning out the free agent market. You're not just going to sign what Orlando Brown has been, which is basically a top 15 NFL left tackle. He's not number one. Um, even if he gets paid as the number one at some point, it's not because he's the best player out there. It's because he's young, he's he's serviceable, good, average or above average tackle uh, that hits free agency at the right time when the market's hot. And there's no good alternatives. So I'm going to keep making this case that uh, would the Chiefs love to get a top five left tackle uh, in place of him? Sure. What are the odds that you're going to do that? Can you trade for a top five left tackle right now? Laramie Tunsil is the only name that's been thrown out there that's even remotely possible And if you if Houston's having a fire sale. But otherwise, you're not trading for a top five left tackle. They're just not going to let them go. You're not going to probably draft one unless you get really lucky drafting at the end of the first round uh, this coming season. Are they going to... Uh, what are they? What else are they going to do? They're not going to sign one in free agency. So the grass may not be greener on the other side here. So let's give Orlando Brown credit to say he is what he is, which is a average to above average uh, left tackle. And 
be careful what you wish for as far as getting rid of him. Yeah, I think that's fair. And I'll stick with the off offseason kind of talk because I do think and this and in, in, in yours was a fan perspective. This is more from the team's perspective as they look at the offseason. And I really think they need to be more open with how they, they choose their edge rushers or choose their defensive ends. You know, I think they need to be more open minded, you know, and, and Nate Christensen, I, I've talked about it before, has done a great job breaking this down for the site. But, you know, th their prototype of defensive end is just not getting it done to an extent anymore. As we talked about this four man rush, you know, really needing to be key. Well, when you don't have guys that can that can win around an edge, you know, bend the corner and really, you know, threaten guys, you know, like we talked about with Orlando Brown, you know, the guys that give him fits. We, the Chiefs don't have one of those guys, and uh, it'd be nice to have one. So just be, you know, whether it's free agency, whether it's the draft, I would prefer the draft more. Just be more open-minded with, with uh, how you acquire edge rushers. Maybe get a guy with a little more juice than you've, than you've done in the past, Spags. I guess Spags maybe is the, the one that needs to be a little more open-minded. Let's, let's get into them, shall we? <laughs> let's get into them. Um, because they were quite a little bit cocky since the last game when the Chiefs played them. And uh, what was it? 34-28 or something. Because Well, they were saying that they ran as close, didn't they? I mean, you know, it, it, it's clearly it was something that they could only crawl oh, this year. My auntie had ball should be my uncle. But come on, let's listen. Let's <laughs> like, oh. Does it matter? Do they run as close? Well, it's the only thing they can cling on to. Is the Denver Broncos fans, isn't it? it it's you know, well, we ran you close. Well, well done, <laughs> well done. Got you, got you. What? What did he get you in the end? Well done, moral victory. Well <laughs> done, <laughs> yay for you. Like, I, just, I just goody like, gumdrops. Honestly, I don't know how any Broncos fans still go into games and still watching them. I just don't understand. Like, I if unless obviously in our situation where um, we're literally paid to do it, right? So yeah. we have to. Right? So if this Chiefs team started sucking and playing it to the Broncos level, we'd still have to be here. Like, And I would hate every second of it, don't get me wrong, but we'd still have to be here. Yeah. If I was a, if I was in that situation, I was a Broncos fan, I would have switched off months ago. Yeah, Honestly, they are so bad. Like They are not worth four hours of your time on a Sunday afternoon. Nope. They're, they're not. They are so awful at the moment. And... <laughs> they go and put the worst performance of the season on Christmas Day. <laughs> Christmas Day. They hate their fan base. <laughs> like they're tucking into their dinner. There we go. Let's all right, dude. Let's watch let's watch uh Broncos round this afternoon. And then like both teams have been bad this year, but you yeah, never I know. Just, we might oh, we might get a win. I just honestly, any Broncos fan that was fool enough. To sit and watch that on Christmas Day, you, you got what you deserved. Let's be honest, because you can say, "Oh yeah, but I'm loyal." You know, you, you can still be loyal to them. Doesn't mean you have to sit through that. Just uh, stick uh, home alone on or something. Exactly. Yeah. Harry and Martha would have gave you far more entertainment yeah. than watching that. Honestly, they are such a bad. They are an absolute car crash of a team, and it's great to watch. Like I'm, I am thoroughly enjoying all of the freezing cold tweets that are coming out this week from back in March. Honestly, there's, they are, they have been retweeted no end this week about Russell Wilson, about Hackett can win coach of the year. The Broncos are going to win the AFC West. Yeah. Times are changing. Mahomes, your time is done. And here they are. Probably the worst team in the NFL. According to our power rankings, they absolutely are the worst team in the NFL. It's just, it's so fun to watch. And for them to sit there and say, oh, yeah, but we, we, we got 28 points against Patrick Mahomes and we almost beat the Chiefs. For them to celebrate as that as a victory just shows how far they have fallen as a team, as a franchise. Yeah. It just, honestly, like, Father Christmas might not have delivered a Buffalo Bills loss, but what he delivered in the form of the Broncos and their capitulation <laughs> in front of an international audience on Christmas Day just was bloody glorious against Baker Mayfield. They conceded 51 points against the Rams. <laughs> against the Rams. Like Cam Akers scored 34.7 fantasy points this weekend. How Cam do you know that, Tom? Because he, he was the reason I lost my fantasy semi-final. But, but like, <laughs> Cam Akers hasn't done anything all season. Yeah. All season. And he, gets, and he goes off against the Broncos. Like, it just... It's just glorious to watch. And then you've got the aftermath. You've got them on the sideline fighting. You've got O-Lyman pushing Brett Ripien for standing up against for Russell Wilson. You've probably got Russell Wilson just on the sideline going, let's ride, let's ride, let's ride, let's ride, let's ride, let's ride. Honestly, <laughs> oh, just 
it is glorious to watch. And I know every Chiefs fan is enjoying enjoying this so much. Oh, got, it's wonderful. Now. It's, it's wonderful, mate. It is. It's wonderful. And and like you said, seeing like uh, Russell Wilson talking into the football when he was trying to talk to his his, <sighs> his, 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 his players. <laughs> I mean, thinking they can't hear a word you're saying, they can't see your lips moving. You're talking to the football. I, I, I don't think he was even trying to talk to his players. He was trying to talk to the football, trying to sweet talk it into at least not going into the other other opposition's hands, like it was in the first quarter. <laughs> Do you reckon he's like at home? <laughs> Do you think he's like that at home? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Mister Unlimited. Yeah. Oh gosh. What is he doing? I, I genuinely believe he doesn't think it's his fault either. Like, we'll find out soon enough, won't we? Because <laughs> yeah. they've gone and fired Nathaniel Hackett. Like, let's... Mate, the, for one season, he hasn't even seen out the whole season. Yeah. I mean, I thought he was doing a fine job. I mean, a lot of us were. He was doing a great job. With all yeah, that same thing. here. Um, and, you know, I hope he, he manages to find his way onto the Raiders or something like that. <clears throat> um, but... I mean, I, th- I thought that was a bit harsh. I- I- I'll admit. I mean, yes, they've been poor this year, but but not everything the on is, him. The problem is they can't get away from Russell Wilson. Like, well, yeah, they can't really sack the him. So it's it's player versus coach, and the player is the one in the powerful position. Yeah. The, the Broncos don't want that. If they, if they had a choice, if they if they had an easy out of Russell Wilson's contract, I'm sure they would have much rather bend Russell Wilson off than the fan. Yeah. But they just cannot do that. They have to roll, ride with Russell Wilson. Let's ride. No, let's ride. They have to ride with that because they've given them this stupid contract. What is it? 40 million dead cap if they come next year and then it just there's like 40 million a year. It's, he is completely undroppable at this moment in time so they need to find someone to make it work with him and so if, if they've already decided right it's clearly not Nathaniel Hackett they had to part ways and then you've got all those shenanigans on the sidelines you've got Randy Gregory getting into fights with Rams offensive linemen after the game like this is just this is just a shambles of a football team right now so you had to do something if you're the Broncos hierarchy you cannot let this slide into the other week you cannot have that happening at Arrowhead imagine if the Broncos just completely self-combusted in Arrowhead, oh. it would it would it it would be the worst moment. It's almost like do you remember when Peyton Manning broke it like broke the all-time passing record? But it happened in the game where he threw like four interceptions against the Chiefs at hey, Marvel. Did you like, God, yeah, remember that? Yeah. Do you remember like, yeah, like <laughs> he broke the record and you just see him looking like all sheepish, like holding up a ball because holding he broke the ball. The in a game they got absolutely battered battered in. Like we remember, we remember that game more favorably than the Broncos fans. You yeah. can't have that type of stuff happening in Arrowhead next week. So uh, they were absolutely right to nip it in the bud this week because there will be something different about this team next week. Absolutely, there's, yeah. there's no way they will not be that much of a shambles this week in Arrowhead. As much as I'd love to see it, it's just not going to happen. But if it had happened, oh my gosh, we'd have held that held that over Broncos <laughs> forever. Similar to the Peyton Manning thing, we would have held that over. Yeah. The- Whatever it just it is just bloody glorious watching this team fall apart at the moment and yeah it, I, I the more m- the more we see of it the better let's be honest I'm gonna I'm gonna pump the hate breaks on this at the minute because I am sl- still slightly concerned about the Broncos right and I'll okay. tell you why I'll tell new you manager why. syndrome <laughs> new manager syndrome exactly yeah. that because <laughs> it happens in the Premier League week in week out when the manager yeah. gets sacked the other team plays like a worldie they take they play like a Champions League team that they've been mm-hmm. they haven't had a win all season then yeah. suddenly they'll beat like Manchester City or something like that out of nowhere so that's the only thing that really kind of like oh man but what if you get like a caretaker in that's just gonna just know instantly straight away that that this is the issue and they've changed a few things around. They've changed a bit of the style of players. Um, that's the only worry for me. I don't know about you, Tom, but... Are, are you I've, got feeling that? I've got a stat that would scare you. Right. Oh, God, go on. <laughs> okay. So, this come... I actually asked if new manager syndrome was a, was a thing in the NFL via the power rankings. And right. Thank, this is this is courtesy of Omaha Chiefs 13. So thank you very much if you listen to the podcast. But I asked if it was a thing, and because I basically I couldn't be bothered to do you know, my own research. So I asked, that's, <laughs> that's, the, that's the fun bit. <laughs> yeah, that's the idea. So he, he so he, this guy or girl, whoever they are, they come back to me and said, right, kind of since 2010, 
teams have been 15 and 9 in an, in, an interim head coach's first game. So that's a win percentage of 62%, which <laughs> isn't good. He also pointed out, if it helps, the earlier the team, uh, the interim coach has been appointed, the better they be. After week 13, teams are six and seven in that time frame. So they actually, in the back half right. of the season, they actually tend to come off worse interim head coaches than they do early in the season. But yeah. someone else also pointed this out, and I can't believe I forgot about this. Obviously, we've done a podcast on the, a special podcast on this particular game once, but um, Fishbowl72 also pointed out about Romeo Cornell and the game against the Packers. God, yeah. <laughs> So, oh man, you panicked me now. Yeah. And the Chiefs were a car crash that year as well. And uh, the Kyle Pack- Orton, the Packers were not. And we always <laughs> people say that Patrick Mahomes is like the next Aaron Rodgers or whatever it is. Or, yeah. So are we? Are we the Packers in this situation? Are oh. we? Are we? Uh, is Patrick Mahomes Aaron Rodgers? And you know. the, the new. I don't even know who it is. I, I did see earlier they've they've appointed someone as an interim head coach. Is that Romeo Cornell? Is is it going to happen? That that yeah, I'm I'm slightly panicked now. I think I've I think I've talked myself into being panicked by this. Where yes, I'm laughing at the Broncos, and I think it's hilarious how their season's gone. But wouldn't it just be right for them to just go? Do you know what? We're going to ruin your, your uh, one seed chances. This you is know what happened is you like you just I could no, it's not going to happen. But like the worst case scenario is that the Broncos beat the Chiefs and the bloody Bengals beat the Bills on Monday night football. Oh, so there was our opportunity, and all yeah. of a sudden the Bengals are the number one seed in the NFL. Yeah, yeah. can you see it happening? Nah. it's going to happen. Now you've said that. Chiefs are winning out. They're winning out. It's the AFC West. They haven't lost to the Broncos in like a gazillion years. Yeah. Like, like, like as we said last time they played the Broncos I had currently have three kids the last time the Chiefs lost to the Broncos I didn't have any kids <laughs> yeah that's a good point yeah yeah yeah. So he's been look, the last time the Chiefs played the, lost to the Broncos the Chiefs hadn't played their game at Wembley yet the Royals hadn't won the World Series Brexit Man, that, hadn't happened that felt like a no, there's an like, age away didn't it so much so much has happened in that time period like, wow! Yeah, it's like it's not happening this week. <laughs> I, I hope it doesn't. I mean, I'm encouraged, like you said, by this. The, you know, the the performance we had against the Seahawks. But, exactly, um, just remember that. Yeah, I mean, they, 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 I cannot see how that you look at the performances, the opposite end of the spectrum. The round to Broncos having their worst performance this season, where they get versus the Chiefs probably having their most complete total performance of the season. Yeah. Other than maybe against the game against the Buccaneers and the 49ers. How you can see those two and think actually that's gonna compute into the Broncos in beating the Chiefs in our head on Sunday. Yeah. I just don't I don't see it. I don't care who the new manager is or new coach. The the Chiefs are winning this game. Does Wilson yeah. start or Rippian start? I don't know. I don't know. Oh, do you want do you want to get your money's worth out? I don't, of, I don't uh, know. Like maybe if Russell Wilson starts for a new coach and he plays badly. He just needs to go and like Taylor Swift on us. And he's like, it's me. Hi. I'm a problem. It's me. Like, it's just walking around the locker room. Digging into a football. Yeah. <laughs> just don't know. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy obviously a big part of what the Chiefs do on offense. 
Um, his name circulating in in some of the head coach carousel rumors once again. It's that time of the year, right? You put up your Christmas tree, and then Eric Bieniemy's name starts reappearing in head coach circulations and rumors. Jarek McKinnon has been great for Kansas City's offense, and I think so as Eric Bieniemy, which warrants his name being in these uh, in these interviews once again. Yeah, I mean, like you said, put up the Christmas tree, Eric Bieniemy talk. It, it's it's like the same <laughs> thing every year, right? And I hope the guy gets opportunity. I really do. He seems like a, a good leader of men. You know, I, I know you're there in the press conferences. He's a very well-spoken guy. Uh, he, he seems like one of those guys that you would run through a raw for, right? He always has energy. He's very gracious to the media. You know, he, he has good manners, mannerisms, all of that, right? All the characteristics that you would want from a head coach, he presents that to the media. And then even on the football field, obviously, you see him – get into it Mahomes, right? He's not scared to give him pushback. And you need that sometimes, right? Quite a bit. And, that, yeah. and that's making the rounds on social media. But but you need that, though, because you don't want everybody just to be a yes man around Mahomes. You need that guy in there that's that's willing to tell him what he's doing wrong and, you know, really get in him. So I, I respect that part of Eric being in me a lot. And, you know, Andy Reid said, hopefully not the Broncos, right? Because he knows all our secrets and everything. Yeah, he's going to face them twice a year. But the fact that Russell Wilson will be his quarterback will still probably be a bad situation there. So I wouldn't advise to take that job. But at this point, I mean, he may not have a choice because, you know, he, he really hasn't got opportunity, obviously. Clearly. That's what I was going to that's what I was going to yeah, get to. So, it, so, which is unfortunate, though, right, because he may be forced to take a, a job that's setting him up for failure. And then if he fails there, he won't get another another opportunity after that. So it's really tough. But it's like he almost has to take whatever is out there, which is unfortunate. That's the nasty game that he's kind of backed into. I'm almost wondering now, with his name being floated in this latest cycle, which I think is the fourth or fifth time his name has kind of gone around in the in these cycles. I wonder if there's one any Eric Bieniemy fatigue to where you know you're interviewing for the same jobs now. I mean, he interviewed for Denver already. This would be his second or third time interviewing for the Denver job, and. I just wonder if it doesn't work out this year, is the writing already on the wall with, you know, bringing in Matt Nagy, bringing him back in and that relationship being there? And um, is there no backup plan as far as Eric Bieniemy staying in Kansas City? Is this his last dance, if you will, if he doesn't find another head coaching job somewhere else or if Denver doesn't work out? Um, is he going to have to step back down uh, to a college level and take one of those jobs? Like, what do you see happening here? So, unfortunately, I do not see him getting a head coaching job in the NFL. I think uh, if he hasn't got one by now, why, why would he get one all of a sudden this year? I mean, the guy's been the four straight AFC championship games as an OC. But they're leading the league in scoring and yards again, Mark. I mean, all Eric Bieniemy has done as offensive coordinator for Kansas City Chiefs is be extremely successful. Lead the know, league in all saying, the offensive statistics. I'm saying what has changed from then to now. Like, they've yeah. They're doing the same thing. Like, they're one of the top offenses as they've been, you know? So it's not like something catastrophic has changed from last year to this year that would make teams be like, oh, we have to get Eric Bannon now. I mean, like I said, I hope I'm wrong. I want him to get a head coaching job. But I'm just being realistic. I don't see it happening. I do think he may have to go to college route. But the thing about that is it's probably too late for that because <laughs> – the uh, transport portal is going crazy right now. You need to be the head coach right now. You need to be where you're at now to be a college coach, right? So he's kind of stuck if he doesn't get a head coaching job in the NFL this year. I don't see no other scenario. This was one of the first pieces that I wrote for, for ArrowheadPride.com. It, it just kind of Eric Bieniemy, and there's a reason why Brian Flores used Eric Bieniemy's case specifically when he wrote – uh, part of that lawsuit that was filed against the National Football League because he's a prime example of somebody who was overqualified. He was passed up when it was his window for people who were underqualified. And now it, it's almost like he's passed his window. His expiration date has reached. He's almost a, he's almost a, he's not a hot name anymore, right? Like we always see every year there's the hot name and the hot coordinator and, and somebody that are available for those tier of jobs. You see Sean Payton kind of kind of generating the buzz that he is and whatnot. I wonder if it's a rebrand that's needed for Eric Bieniemy. I wonder if he needs to take a step away from Kansas City and have success elsewhere to be able to justify that and get his name back up and bubble back up. But it's a shame. It seems like every time um, Bieniemy's name is mentioned, especially recently, we just don't have much 
faith in the process or faith that it's going to end up uh, with him getting another job. How about some good news for Kansas City? This happened after our last pod, kind of old news. I don't know if people care about the Pro Bowl anymore, but seven Pro Bowlers made the list. Did we talk about that on last no, week's show? No, we didn't. Nah. Um, who's your Who's your surprise name on, on the Pro Bowl list? And, and maybe your initial reactions to, to, to the Chiefs tro- Pro Bowlers in 2023. Well, first of all, I can care less about the Pro Bowl. The Pro Bowl has been a joke for years now. Pro Bowl games, Mark Guttles. It's the, it's the Pro Bowl games now. Oh, my gosh. The Pro Bowl games. Is this the Olympics now? What is going on here? But, uh, no, I, I can really care less. The voting process, the guys that get elected, year after year, our complete joke. Uh, the biggest surprise to me is obviously Orlando Brown Jr. <laughs> uh, uh, I, you know, based on what you hear from Chiefs fans and media alike, uh, he has not played nowhere near a Pro Bowl level uh, caliber of guy. Uh, for some reason, he's a Pro Bowler. Congrats to him. Uh, I'm sure that comes with some incentives or any something like that, but uh, I'm sure it comes with incentives. Absolutely. Yeah. So these guys care about it. Yeah. They care as they should, but um, yeah, I mean, there, if you watch the film, watch the, all the advanced analytics, there's no justification for Orlando Brown being a pro bowl player this year. I'll push back on that a little bit in a second, but here are the seven chiefs pro bowlers. As of right now, Orlando Brown, Creed Humphrey, Chris Jones, Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes, Tommy Townsend, and Joe Tooney. This is from Jesse Newell, who covers the Chiefs for the Kansas City Star, and he does a great job. He came over from the KU beat. He says, over the last six weeks, the highest-graded tackles in the NFL in pass blocking out of 112 tackles, and the number one is Chiefs tackle Orlando Brown. I wonder if he's been, you know, unfairly piled on and I think the context I think the context of the contract matter here I think the context of his relationship with Patrick Mahomes matters here and then there's been some bad snaps like I'm obviously I'm putting on the Orlando cape or the OBJ cape for a little bit to try and protect him he's played better as of late he's had some bad snaps he's maybe said some things and had his foot in his mouth at times but the contract thing I don't even know if it was that bad he missed what a week of camp when nobody was really hitting anybody, or he missed like a couple weeks of camp when nobody was really hitting anybody. I think everybody, when you asked them one on one, would you have done the same thing? Would probably say, oh, I'm, "I'm I'm holding out too. I want to get paid as well." There's no doubt in our mind, and we've said on this platform before that he's probably not going to get that same deal that was on the table this offseason. Um, before a guy who's been unfairly dumped on time and time again, not only is he a Pro Bowler, Mark, but he's one of the highest graded tackles according to PFF. What you got to say back to that? Is that for the entire season or just the last seven weeks? It's it, it's the last six weeks specifically. Okay, okay. and I, I will say having, that I'll, I'll give a grade. These, these are okay. These are these are just for pass blocking. It's Brown, okay, uh, Lane Johnson, Laramie Tunsil, Jake Matthews as the top. Okay, well, unfortunately, Aaron, the Pro Bowl shouldn't be based on how you do in a seven game stretch. It should be based on what you've done up until this point throughout the entire season. And if you look at weeks one through nine. He's given he's given up 30 pressures. Now, since then, only 13. So, yes, you are right. He has gotten better as the season has gone on. But unfortunately, the Pro Bowl isn't based on a seven-week sample. So when you consider the first nine weeks when he played bad, he was one of the worst tackles in the league on pressure rate allowed. So, yes, I'm thankful for him improving as the season goes on because that should be beneficial towards playoff time and potentially maybe the Super Bowl for if the Chiefs want to get there. But from a whole body of work, he is not a, a pro bowler. But he made it. So congrats to Orlando Brown Jr. Let's uh, let's put a bow on this topic with this question. Yes or no? Is Orlando Brown in a Chiefs uniform next season? Yes. All right. Um, when the Chiefs have the ball, I, I think – they need to, we said this, it'll be a consistent thing moving forward. They've got to start to prepare themselves in good habits for the postseason and starting to sure up things that they need they need to have in the postseason. And offensively, turning the ball over has been a ridiculous issue. 13 of them in the last six weeks before Sunday's game against Seattle. They had zero turnovers and – that, would, to me, was the result of that game not ever being close at all. Um, you know, 24 to 10. Now, this team, 
you think they could have you feel like they should have beat them and put up more points than that but Seattle never had a chance to get the ball at the 25 they never had a short field they never they never had that and so every time they had to go the length of the field and and the Chiefs defense was 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 there to be able to hold them down so I think that's a big first step. We asked for it last week. Hell, I, w- I wasn't even going to be greedy. I just said one turnover. They didn't have any. And I think that was the big difference of the game. They need to continue that with a better defense that I think will we'll care for at least a quarter. But, uh, but they got to continue that habit of not turning the football over because, to me, that is the number one reason. I understand the defense. But honestly, I think that's the number one reason uh, they're sitting here needing Cincinnati to beat Buffalo for them because they've turned the ball over in games that were so important that they've lost. Ron, do you know how long it had been since the Chiefs had gone an entire game without a turnover? I really don't. I'm, I feel like eight weeks. Eleven. Week five was the last time they had gone an entire game without <laughs> turning the football over a single time. It was against the Las Vegas Raiders. That was the last time they were four and one at that point in the season. And the next week against the Bills, they turned it over twice and continued doing so every single week up until this past week against the Seattle Seahawks. You're right. The reason why that game wasn't close is as simple as saying the Chiefs just didn't turn the ball over because it wasn't perfect offensively. In fact, it was one of their worst offensive efforts that we've seen this season. Had a critical drop by Justin Watson. He had a couple of them in that game. I was going to say just one. <laughs> yeah, they, they were terrible on third down overall. They had six drives in that game that were four or fewer plays that did not result in any first downs. It And that didn't matter because they were able to end their drives with kicks, whether it was a field goal, a punt, or a touchdown that resulted in a PAT. And for this team, man, that's enough because they're going to come up with some big plays. They're going to be efficient more often than not. Patrick Mahomes is going to come up with an absurd player like play like he did on that touchdown run. Like They're going to find a way to score. You just can't allow the other team to have easy drives. And against the Seahawks, that's exactly what they did. You got to do that again this week against the Broncos and then follow that up one more time against the Raiders. You, if you get like one turnover total the next two weeks, we're good. That habit, those habits have to – you got to continue that. They need to get a run on that because, like you said, but 11 straight weeks, that's ridiculous. For I didn't know it was that long. For I, didn't team, that. I didn't know they've been that many weeks. I mean, I'm, I've just been carrying the 13 and six weeks, but they've just, they've just been giving one <laughs> away for 11 damn weeks. I mean, good God, man. Uh, so, I mean, they, but they've got to continue this. Two games, and they're playing against teams that shouldn't. Now, Denver, Denver – Denver's got some players over there if they're if they're gonna be themselves, so th- this will be interesting. But that was the only reason why that game was close mm-hmm. because they turned the ball over through. It's twenty seven to nothing, and then they they started turning it over. So that that's one to watch. I I will say something you've said here, and, and and when we look at the Chiefs' offense, thinking about them in all the years them going to the postseason, this has been an offensive led team. Like this has been a team where. They're going to win. They're going to get to a Super Bowl and win a Super Bowl based on their offense. What do you think about this run game right now? What do you think about this run game? We've started to see since Clyde Edwards-Alaire has gone on the on, on IR, we're starting to see how this run game is coming together. This is this is um this has become. An advantage for them? This has become a, a thing going into each week that, all right, they could depend on I remember coming out of one of those games where they just didn't – I mean, I think it was the Tennessee game. just said to hell with it. And and and, and Pat was the, the leading uh, rusher for this team by, by a large margin. Since then, they have made a real effort with this, with this group of running the football, and it's become a strength for them damn near. I think the most important thing is that they figured out the roles. Like they know exactly what Isaiah Pacheco and Jarek McKinnon bring to the table and they utilize them accordingly. Isaiah Pacheco is going to be your grinder. He's the guy that's between the twenties. You, you need first and 10, get us four yards to keep us on track. He's going to get you that he's averaging almost five yards per carry over the last seven weeks. He's got a hundred attempts for 540 yards in that stretch. That being said, He's not doing a whole lot in the passing game because he's not being asked to do much in the passing game. He's got nine total targets in those seven games. Jarek McKinnon, meanwhile, in that same stretch, 
has 40 targets in the last seven games. He's being utilized through the air. He's also picking it up a little bit on the ground recently as well. And they know exactly what he is and exactly what he isn't. So I, I think that's maybe the most important part of this. They have two very different skill sets, both of which are very critical to what they're trying to accomplish. Ron, I went back through and tried to figure out, all right, where's this compared to like the the Patrick Mahomes running games that they've had going into the playoffs? How does this compare to those? I think it's number one. Because last year they had Clyde and uh, Jarek McKinnon. The year before that, it was Clyde and Daryl. The year before that, in in 2018, it was Damian Williams both seasons. I think this is your best one-two punch that you've had with Patrick Mahomes at quarterback. Yeah, I, I think so, because he never had Kareem Hunt going into mm-hmm. the playoffs. Uh, I think clearly when Kareem Hunt was there, he was, he was a bell cow back. But I think that's the key is, they both have roles, but Andy and Eric and the crew aren't afraid to use them in their opposite roles. Like we look at Pacheco, he's the, the runner. He's the guy, tough yards. But he'll line up and throw the ball to him. It's not like he won't ever throw the ball to him. And Jared McKinney, he is the guy that you think's the pass catcher, and he has crushed them in saving fantasy teams' lives all across the country. Uh, if you've been able to pick him up. But they will run it with him. The game winner against the Texans was mm-hmm. a handoff to Jarek McKinnon. So I, I I think it's not only they know their roles and what they do, but the Chiefs aren't afraid to use them in either way. So it's not like you know what they're going to do out there. It's not like you got to feel like, oh, McKinnon's in the game, so they're passing. No, not necessarily. I do think I agree with BK that this is easily the best one-two punch that they've had in the Patrick Mahomes era because you agree with both of us. Don't just single him out. I said the same <laughs> thing. I hate when you do this. Yeah, but Br- BK is the one that presented the initial point. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you could say I, I agree with both of you. No, I, no, Ron, I, I, I didn't hear that from you. Yeah. Know, really suck it. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, mean, I agree with both of you. Um, I, I think no, the no, biggest. No, no, no. Say you agree with BK because that was that was Russell. Wilson. I already said I agree. You said with it. BK. Just don't don't bring me into it. You don't mean it. It's say, I agree. With, I agree with both of you. That was so Russell Wilson like. The Chiefs deserve a lot of credit for how they've managed Jarek McKinnon this season and being a thirty-year-old running back and, and a guy who, I mean, what was he with the 49ers for three seasons and played like a couple of games maybe because he kept just having like devastating season ending injuries and they found something with him late in the postseason last year. And they were like, we need that again, but we just gotta, we get, we gotta take it easy throughout the regular season. And I think Pacheco has gotten better as he's gotten more and more opportunities. Like, He's actually seeing the field a little bit now instead of just running directly into the nearest person that's in front of him, which is what he was doing a ton of early on. And and we're seeing like we still haven't seen like the huge explosive run from Isaiah Pacheco, but I think he could still do that. I still think we haven't seen like what he can do and like how explosive he can really be. And man, it, it makes your offense so much more dangerous when they have to worry about that. And then they have to try to worry about Patrick Mahomes and the way Andy's scheming things up for Jarek McKinnon. It's it's incredible. I love it when the Chiefs style up the screen game. It's, it's amazing to watch. Yeah, and he's not afraid to do they, with either one of them. I just wish they would do with Sky Moore what they've done with Isaiah Pacheco, where they, they started yes. trusting him please, please. in some ways out of necessity. And what you're seeing now is a result of them trusting Isaiah Pacheco. They allowed him the runway to get those opportunities. He's now taking advantage of said opportunities because Clyde didn't take advantage of his and then he got hurt. So now you got to have that out of necessity. There's a guy that is not taking advantage of his opportunities right now. It's Justin Watson. And it is beyond time to give Sky Moore some of those those chances. I know they're not going to. I get it. We don't have to spend any more time than this talking about it. But Sky Moore in the same exact role as Justin Watson is currently playing for the Chiefs would be a better, more productive player in that role for the Chiefs. It It is crazy to me that they continue trying this. I know that what's going to end up happening is the, the, the snaps will not change until McCole Hardman gets back. And then when McCole is back, he'll start getting those opportunities. So that's fine. I will live to understand that this is just not something that I'm going to be able to be right on. 
and McCole, please get back soon. Just back to back takes that I'm just a hundred percent in agreement with BK on right now. It's good takes, man. Just on, just, just, just on a roll. It's on a roll right now. Ron's ready. Ron's uh, Ron. L- let's be honest. You tell me. You got two options. <laughs> two options this week. You can either see more of Justin Watson or you can see more of Sky Moore. T- tell me you're not asking for more of more. Tell me. Come on. I thought you. I thought you just said we don't have to spend any more time. Come on. Come on. And you say restarted it. it. No. It. I trust. I trust Andy. And Andy doesn't see it right now. Trust him. <laughs> trust him. Trust him. He walks up there. And Andy's acting like Spags right now. Like Spags no. before this. Season. No, he's not. No. 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 You can keep that look on your face. You're. You're gonna will Sky Moore into this thing. And it ain't happening, right? He's now. gonna make a big play in the playoffs, and I, I oh, am going God. to be so excited about it and just insufferable on this podcast. I will with too. You. I will. We'll too open as well. the podcast after the Chiefs win <laughs> by talking about Sky Moore exclusively. Yeah, I hope so too, because you're you're finding a way to re just reel him in for no reason. It's just none. This he, was, is just he no wasn't reason. even on this rundown. <laughs> no, he wasn't. No, he wasn't. He was not. And then you tried to push another conversation more. We don't have to talk about this more. Did you, then, did you see that don't tell me you don't want... he had last week? That should have been a That's negative it. play. That's what I'm saying. So shifty. Justin Watson never could have. Never. Justin Watson he would have dropped get, it. Justin Watson can catch punts. <laughs>